voice of the fans and the voice of the Big Ten. The Big Show is back. Corey and Alex here to bring you all things Big Ten football. Corey's... <laughs> oh, no. I, I tried out a new intro, guys. I'm not editing it out. You're going to have to deal with it. Um. All right. Three, two, one. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Big Show Podcast. I'm not editing it out. <laughs> Dang it. God, I wanted to try something new. Well, you did, but now you have to you have to reap what you sow. Okay. Well, well, here we are, Corey and Alex. No Ethan today because he's a dumb person and big he dumb. will not be joining us. Big dumb. Real big dumb. But you got the two of us and we've got a lot to talk about. Number 1 being the Northwestern news. Pat Fitzgerald is out. And then later on in the show, we're going to have what we like to call a little bit of a gossip hour. We're going to say one nice thing and one mean thing about every single school in the Big Ten. So we're really going to get our feelings out there. But it's also going to force us to say something nice about our rivals, a.k.a. Michigan State and Ohio State. I can't so, do it. I'm off, I'm gonna, I'm off the show. I can't do it. I can't say anything yeah, nice about Michigan State. Just can't. Sorry. Yeah, Corey is probably the most biased of all of us. I say He's nice gotta... things about Michigan State all the time. Just maybe not all the time. You know? You never say nice things. Oh, about give Michigan me a State. break! I, they've they totally epitomize the the chip on their shoulder, like the underdog mentality. That's why they're so good in those games. There's my compliment. You... That's such a backhanded compliment because basically you just said Michigan State's an underdog in every game they play. That's but that's what they want to be. They're like all the time, like ooh, we we don't want anybody to expect us to do anything. Okay, now it sounded like a backhanded compliment. But. Yeah, now yeah, the the more you go, the deeper you're digging this hole that you're in. Um, so that's going to be super fun. But let's get into the Northwestern stuff because this got pretty nasty pretty fast, and things are still changing and I have a feeling that we're we're not done with this yet so uh, obviously you already know that Pat Fitzgerald has been fired and let go from Northwestern as of Monday the 10th and so basically what happened is late last year I believe in November an anonymous person came forward alleging hazing in the uh, Northwestern football program. So they started this whole independent investigation. And long story short, the investigation investigation concluded that yes, there was definitely hazing happening over many, many years. And while different players may have had different perspectives on whether or not it was playful team building, etc. Uh, and some actually, you know, felt that it was abusive and, and harmful. Regardless, the hazing was happening. I'm not going to get into all the details of what the hazing was because, quite frankly, it's pretty disgusting and horrible. But I'll just say the general quote of what was in the investigation. The anonymous um, complainant said that the hazing involved, quote, coerced sexual acts, end quote. Um, And the hazing, they called it running. This particular act they called running, and they used it to punish players, primarily freshmen, for mistakes that they made. And then there was another type of hazing they called, um, 
well, they didn't have a name for it, but it was basically forcing a player to drink as many Gatorade shakes as they could in about 10 minutes. And the anonymous complainant said every time he saw it that someone puked like right afterwards and one of his friends was sick for multiple days and couldn't eat much. Um, And it goes way beyond that, guys. Like the coerced sexual acts stuff, it was multiple different acts going on for multiple years. It was very, very disgusting. If you want to know the details, you can go read about it in um, the Daily Northwestern, put out a really good article that they actually detailed what it was. But all of these facts came out on Friday, um, the Friday before this. So we're rec- recording on the 11th. They came out Friday, and immediately they announced a punishment for Pat Fitzgerald of a suspension, two-week suspension, without pay, which is nothing. I mean, the guy's basically on vacation right now. Like, not much is happening. I, I heard people actually say he was on vacation. Not sure if that's actually true. But not a whole lot's going on right now in a two-week suspension without pay for a head football coach. is like nothing. Um, but the reason that was the punishment was because they the, the investigation couldn't find any proof that he knew what was going on. Um, but another part of this investigation said while they didn't find any proof that he knew what was going on, that there were sufficient opportunities to find out and report it. And so this came out. And everyone started freaking out in the public. And the president of Northwestern said he was going to review the punishment. And 72 hours later, Monday the 10th, Fitz was fired. So it happened very quickly. Um, my initial reaction to it, and I'm going to talk a few about a few other things, but let's react a little bit first before I just start spewing more and more facts. Um Initial reaction to the two-week suspension for me was, it's nothing. It's absolutely nothing. I get that the guy may not have known about it, but when you actually read what the acts were and what the hazing was, it was absolutely horrific, and two weeks without pay was definitely not enough. Now, when I heard that he was fired, I was a little bit taken aback because, like I just said, what was going on in the program was horrible, but if you don't have direct proof that he knew about it, I don't know that you can go all the way to firing. Just based on this report alone, right? If you want to throw in the actual football team performance along with it and coming off a 1-11 season, I guess that can culminate in a firing. But if the decision was solely based on the report, it feels like it was a firing for PR reasons and not necessarily because the higher-ups at the university believed they were doing the right thing for the football program, which that's the part that rubs me the wrong way. I don't necessarily know that firing him was the wrong decision, but to go from a two-week suspension without pay to firing in a 72-hour span where no additional evidence comes forward seems weird to me. So that kind of surmises my thoughts. I don't know what, what you have, Corey. Um. I always like want to be like super careful when talking about like stuff like this, just because um, a lot of these things are becoming more prevalent of people uh, like getting like the courage to talk about like horrible things that have done. You've seen it with, you know, in programs across the country 
Um, you saw it at Iowa with their strength coach uh, and some racial things that were going on. You saw it at U of M under, um, you know, Bo. You saw it at Ohio State. You've seen it all these different places. And it starts with, you know, somebody first taking that stand, coming up and saying, like, hey, this happened um, and we need to take this seriously. So, like, kudos to the people and kudos to the Northwestern newspaper, which is student-led. Um, and if you, as kind of like backwards as it is like went against the school and was like specifically like attacking like the the thing that they work under for a good cause like that's that speaks a lot of volumes like hey we're looking for like we're looking to make this situation right um so kudos to them for reporting the story and reporting all the details that they possibly can um as far as like the football landscape of it, like if sexual acts are happening, if sexual acts are happening, um, like that's unacceptable. And I, and I think that's, you know, a huge reason why, like, even though that there wasn't substantial proof that he knew about it, like, like you're the head of the program, like you should know about things that are going on. And it's not like you're completely oblivious. Like you're, you're talking to captains, you're talking to to players who are well, you know, uh, respected in the locker room. Like you should have a heartbeat of what's going on there. Cause in, in any sort of leadership, if something like that happens, that falls on the leader. Um, so I understand the standpoint, whether or not he did know about it. And he, we could be sitting here completely like he didn't know a thing about it. And that could not be his fault or it could be his fault. Um, but like, I understand, I guess is the main thing. Like, this is a very serious allegation. You have to take it seriously. Um, and again, as sick and twisted as it is, if Pat Fitzgerald was coming off of a 12 and 0 season, would he have been fired? Probably not, but he's coming off of a two win season. Like, like the stuff with urban, like not the same, not the same. I want to clarify this, not the same, but like stuff with urban Meyer, they tried to fight to keep him there because he's good. And then when they found out, like they kind of like pushed him off or like, there's some stuff that's going on at Georgia right now too. It's like under the rug, but like Kirby smarts coming off back to back national championships. He's not getting fired. And that's like why it's like so gross is because like that's like in in something that shouldn't matter it does like like on field performance matters and oh are we going to fire this guy for the horrific things that happened in his program well is he good at coaching football yes or no <laughs> to that question affects whether or not people keep their jobs and that's really sad it is disgusting and you bring up the Kirby Smart and the Urban Meyer stuff and i think it's very relevant because I don't know much about the Georgia stuff, but with the Urban Meyer stuff, Urban Meyer knew, right? He knew exactly what was going on in, you know, that relationship and that incident. Um, and like you said, they were fighting for him to stay. And in this incident, while there were opportunities for Fitz to know, he didn't know. And there aren't people fighting for his job, like you said, because the football team performance is probably playing a part in this, which is sick and disgusting, which is just kind of goes back to my point of like, okay, you had zero new evidence 
pop up and you went from two week suspension to the man losing his job either either you want to do the right thing or not right this feels very knee jerk of like oh everyone thought our suspension was too light ah the team has been bad anyway so let's just fire him like it doesn't feel like a lot of thought went into like what is the right decision for you know the football program and the players going forward etc and like you said i i'm not mad about fitz being fired right like the acts that happened in that locker room were horrible. And if there were sufficient opportunities to know, which we don't really know what that means, but that was the quote from the investigation. If there were sufficient opportunities to know, then I'm, it's probably justifiable, 100%. But how do you go from two weeks to firing solely based off of public reaction? That's just a little unsettling to me. So, But Fitz had something to say about this, which is why I believe this is not over yet. So he released a statement maintaining that he, quote, had no knowledge whatsoever of any form of hazing within the Northwestern football program. And then he said later in a statement, I was surprised when I learned that the president of Northwestern unilaterally revoked our agreement, uh, our agreement to a two-week suspension without any prior notification and subsequently terminated my employment. I have entrusted my agent, Brian Hartland, and legal counsel, Dan Webb, to take the necessary steps to protect my rights in accordance with the law. That was what Pat Fitzgerald says. So what that tells me is that he's going to pursue legal action against Northwestern to maybe retain his job or maybe just try to salvage his reputation from this. But either way, this is not over for Pat, and I don't think it's over for Northwestern. It's also not over for the football team because in less than eight weeks, they play their first game on September 3rd, and because... There's been a coach firing. The players have 30 days to decide if they want to enter the transfer portal. So literally wow. four weeks, four weeks of the next eight are going to be filled with, uh, are, are their kids leaving? Are their kids staying? Who's who's going? What, what kind of team are we going to have? And they haven't even officially named an interim guy. They think it's going to be the defensive coordinator, but they haven't actually said that. So there is a whole lot of noise and a lot of arrows pointing down. It's just pure chaos there right now. And again, you feel the most for the victims of the hazing. Um, but obviously, there's going to be more collateral damage from this. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't agree. I couldn't agree more. Um, what a mess. Like, not only, like, I mean, there's this whole story is about, you know, more important things than football. Um but as the dust settles and as hopefully there's correct justice that takes place out of the victims in this story, then you have to deal with the football team. And you were already behind the eight ball as compared to the rest of the Big Ten. And now you have to start even further behind the starting line. Like, what a disaster. I guess, like, my thought as a player would be a like am i being mistreated like physically and a mentally and emotionally and if that's the case get the heck out of there like please do not stay like it's not like football's not that important but b if you're if the culture solidifies as quickly as it can i don't know if it can um you're already not good 
So I don't think you're going to have a better opportunity to play not the players, I mean, the program. You know what I'm saying? I'm not I'm not dissing any, like, kid. Um, but I don't think you'll have a better opportunity to get ample playing time in a Division One program than you will at Northwestern right now, especially with what's going on. And sometimes there's good that happens out of that. Like, some guy who gets overlooked can end up being a star. So, I mean, I, messy. It's just messy, and you hope that um, – some good comes out of it. Yeah. Bottom line for Northwestern, get the right guy at the helm in the short term and the long term. You got to fix the culture because obviously there are players that are still there that perpetuated this hazing and this abuse. So you got to get all that stuff right. And then the football will come, but Northwestern's a hard place to win at, but take care of the important stuff first and, it's just pure chaos, and it's not going to be a good season or a good next you know, eight weeks for, for that program. So we'll see what happens and what updates come next. But I think we can call it quits on, on that topic. So let's get to Gossip Hour. And we're going to start with the Big Ooh. Ten East, the beasts of the East. Uh, we're going to go from top to bottom in terms of, like, finishes last year at least I think that's how I laid this out I don't know but the rules are you got to say one nice thing and then you got to say a mean thing even about Michigan which is gonna hurt me so much I don't wanna I know neither do I but them's the rules buddy them's the rules so I'm gonna let you lead it I'll, I'll lead us off Corey I'll lead us off and I will start with my alma mater, my beloved Michigan Wolverines. And I will start with the nice statement. And it's going to be a heck of a statement, man. Because my nice my nice thing for Michigan football, you have the best helmets in all of college football, and it's not even close. Preach. The colors, the pattern, the uniqueness of it, like, there is no mistaking who is on the field when those helmets are out there. They could be wearing all white. They could be wearing freaking black uniforms if they want to. And you see that helmet, and you know it's Michigan. It pops off the screen when you're watching it. You see them run out on the field, and there's nothing like it. So Michigan football, you have the best helmets in all of college football. Don't change them. And don't go back to putting numbers on the side like you did when Brady Hoke was there. Oh, I liked the numbers. Oh, of course you did, you big dope. Okay, that was my nice thing. My mean thing about Michigan football. While you may have the best helmets in all of college football, you also have some of the oldest and quietest fans in all of college football. This has been a problem at Michigan for years that is finally starting to get addressed. But for a long time, man, the stadium was just full of these season ticket holders who were in their, like, 50s and 60s and 70s, and they wanted to sit down the whole time and quietly watch a football game. Look, if you want to do that, more power to you. Stay home. When you're at the game, it's for standing It's for cheering and participating and getting loud and all of that stuff. Because the big house seats the most freaking people in America. 
and it should be the loudest place because of it, and it's not. So, old people do better. So I have to I have to compliment my favorite Big Ten football team. That's what I have to do. That is what you have to do. I'm forcing oh, you to do it. That's going to be so hard. Um, I think, without being so homerish, I, I think like tradition is awesome with the Michigan Wolverines. And like, I'm a I'm a for those of you that don't know, I'm a pretty big sentimental guy. So all of like the stories. He's a big softy. I'm a big softy. So all of the stories of like you know, Michigan football's like, you know, the mystique, the heritage, the dominance back in the day, winning championships. I mean, like they've they've built their culture, their entire existence based off of those that have come before and then what they're doing for the future. And I think that's the thing that Harbaugh has finally been able to do and why we've, they, we've seen success on the field is because they're getting back to that root of what made them good while still adapting, right? to the college football game. Like Harbaugh's Michigan is different than Lloyd's Michigan or Bo's Michigan or, but it still follows that same tradition of excellence. And I think that's like a good thing. Like when Michigan is right, they're following that tradition of excellence. I guess that's not, maybe that's a cop out. I don't know, but like you feel connected to those glory years of the past when there's success that's on the field as you see it unfold. So I like that. I think that's cool. And the program is always, always talking about that. And now they're beginning to add to that history. So that's pretty sweet. Um, On the flip side, they're talking about all of this stuff. And they're talking about national title uh, aspirations. You haven't done anything. You've been to the college football playoff. I don't want to say you haven't done anything. You've been to the college football playoff. But what have you done? You've crapped the bed both times. Okay, you got... You were happy to be there against Georgia. Okay, that's fine. You got the camp, you got the monkey off your back against Ohio State. Sure. But then you're favored and you play your worst game of the season against a team that you should have beaten. How does that happen? For weeks of preparation and you did not look sharp. What is going on? You're overlooking. You're overlooking your opponent. And you're completely just relying on your your own your own um, skills and abilities and not worrying about the team in front of you. So don't act like you're the top dog before you like, like have a different motivation. I don't know. Like I'm, I guess I'm feeding into the national narrative or like any like Ohio state or Michigan state fan. Like you haven't done anything yet. It's like, you know what? They're kind of right a little bit. Yeah, in terms of national success, 97 was the last national championship, and before that, I think it was like the freaking 40s or something. Yeah, so, and 97 was a split championship. And 97 was split. So, yeah, I can't, I can't blame you at all for that one. All right, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll alternate here. Let's go to ugh, Ohio State. You got to say something nice, Corey. Uh, can I say their tradition, too? <laughs> Everybody just gets got- tradition. <laughs> Oh, uh, I, I, I think, at least in recent months, they've backed up everything that they've done. I think, like you hear the stories of like, oh, no blue loud in the locker room, like because it's it's Michigan color. Like you can't do that. You can do stuff like that when you 
walk the walk and you talk the talk. And I think with Ohio State, everything that they did led up to taking care of business on the field and then playing championship football in continuation of that. And they did that by constantly, constantly being their rivals. And I think they're just, they, they know how to win. Even, even with these slip-ups the past couple of years against their arch rival, they, like, they've been a top 10, top 5 team every time. They, in a world where your season is over when you lose to the rival, they still found a way into the college football playoff after losing to their arch rival. Like, you don't, you don't get that unless you are a championship caliber football team. Corey complimenting Ohio State by mentioning that they lost to Michigan. <laughs> you can look at it that way, or you can look at it at face value. They are, they they are that team. They are elite, and they've been that way for a long time. And they know how to stay successful, even in seasons when they're not performing at their best. So I, I don't know what else you want me to say. They're elite uh, through no, and through. It's... Even when they're not elite, they're elite. And that doesn't make any sense, yeah. but yeah. it does. I'm I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. All right, so go in on them, Corey. Go in on them. Here's your chance. Oh, gosh, they're so mentally soft. (laughs) Just beyond. Like, everything, like, the one thing that they had was beating their rival, and the second that that went away, everything was, like, it's, they snapped. It's like, they're, like, in the, they're in the crazy bin. They're in the they're in the padded room with the straight jacket on because every, they're shaking in the corner because oh it didn't go this way it didn't it didn't happen it didn't go the and they don't know what to do with themselves at all like something has broken and they can't they can't handle it and it's causing them to do stupid things like evaluate Ryan Day this is a guy who's lost like three football games in four years it's like oh is Ryan Day on the hot seat what are you guys talking about. <laughs> What? That's insane because he lost two games to his rival and is in and has had two college football playoff appearances and multiple Big Ten championships. Like, this guy's on the hot seat? What are you doing? I thought you want championship football. This is a guy who's been giving you championship football. What? And you're worried about two losses? That's that blows my mind. It's something has cracked. Something up here ain't right. Uh, all right, my turn. I'll say something nice. It's going to be fairly similar to what you said, but um, they've kept the Big Ten relevant for years. The Big Ten could have been at risk of falling into the likes of maybe not quite the Pac-12, but maybe like the ACC or the Big 12, where national relevancy is just not really there at a, at a super, super elite level is what I'm talking about. But Ohio State, since Michigan won their title in 97, Michigan or Ohio State has won two. And in the second one, they went out there and, and beat an Alabama on the way to doing it. As, and they, as a four. As the fourth seed with their third-string quarterback. Um, they went out there last year and were a field goal away from playing in the national championship game after Michigan got embarrassed by TCU in a game they shouldn't have lost. So on the recruiting trail, they compete with the best of them too, the Ohio States, the Georges, the you know Clemsons when they were up there. So Ohio State, 
legitimately, thank you for keeping the Big Ten nationally irrelevant or irrelevant when it comes to like needing to be mentioned amongst the elites of college football. Because look at like the Texases and the USC's and the Oklahoma's. It's been a long time. That's a good point. Since the since they've been able to carry the torch for their conference, and Ohio State has done it the entire time. So thank you for doing that for the Big Ten. Uh, my mean thing about Ohio State, listen, we all know how to spell Ohio. It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's not hard. Okay, it's a four-letter word. Two of them are the same, and then the other two spell the word high. Uh, nobody needs to be reminded. You can spell high multiple ways. Don't forget that. F- fair. But no one needs to be reminded. I don't know if you're reminding yourselves, like if you all keep forgetting and you're just like double-checking with everybody. I don't know if you assign it at birth, like you remember the OH, you remember the IO. I don't know, but... We all know how to spell it. It's a it's a boring chant. It's please stop. We we won this, our spelling bees and we we won all our spelling tests. We stop spelling the word Ohio. That's got to be the easiest okay. state to spell too, right? Has to be right. I can't. And then the most. I can't think of. I can't think of any other fifty of the states. That we have. This is so sad. What? And probably the most difficult state to spell would be like Hawaii, right? I would think. Uh, maybe. I always struggle with that. I don't think I could spell Hawaii right now. Uh, this is going to be really bad if we say something like Massachusetts or something like that. <laughs> or maybe like, I don't know. Oh, that one's up there. Yeah. I don't know. But all right. Uh, let's go to Penn State. So my nice thing about Penn State, white, your whiteouts are sick. Uh, they so just are. sick. You are, you know, some people get mad at Penn State for flaunting the whiteout. Like, oh, you didn't invent it, blah, blah, blah. No, Penn State gets to flaunt it because they're freaking dope. And I never want to have my team play in a whiteout at Beaver Stadium, ever. Because it's that intimidating. Never want that for my team. Whiteouts at night at Penn State are horrific. So, kudos to you for that. Um, My mean thing about Penn State... Um, stop telling everyone that your jerseys are classic. They're boring. They don't have names. There's only two colors, and your helmets have a single stripe down the middle, and they're white. Don't look at me like that, Corey. They're boring college football uniforms, and you know it. They're boring. They're boring. At least put the players' names on the back, please, for the love of God. Or put the number on one side of the helmet. Like, I love when they do that. They they call it, like, I don't know, their vintage throwback uniform or something. They've done that a couple of times. But sir, they're boring uniforms. Sir, I'm sorry. That's, that's, that is, that is wrong. It's wrong and you know it. No, I don't. I consider myself a football uniform aficionado and my professional opinion tells me that they're boring. Penn State, I'm with you. Those jerseys are classic. Don't listen to Alex. He doesn't know anything. He doesn't even own jerseys like me. Well, not to your level. I'll I'll give you that. Yeah. Okay. You do you want to use your time to to talk nicely about their jerseys, or do you have something else? No, because that'd be a cop out. I don't want to do that. Um, I actually like I. 
I don't have the same strong feelings against Penn State as Ethan does. I actually think generally Penn State's pretty likable. And I I don't know if that's a hot take or not. That is a bit of a hot take. Not that I don't like them. But I kind of don't like them. I kind of always find myself, like, rooting for them. Like, as far as, like, I mean, I was I was all in for the basketball team this year. I thought that I thought that run was great for them. Uh, they have a great, like, they're just a good athletic school, I think. Like, they've, they're great at wrestling. They had a, a successful uh, basketball season this year. They're always constant and steady in hockey and then football they've been you know in the conversation they're like the they're the florida of the of the big 10 always like good solid and then every so often will surprise you and give you an elite season now you can view that as a compliment or an insult i view that more as a compliment uh and their football program is a representation of their entire athletic program as a whole and they're just a real solid good it's why it's why the whiteout is so lethal it's because they're always good even when they're not (laughs) but no one wants to play in beaver stadium in a whiteout because they are a successful program i guess that's kind of the same with ohio state but that's just how i feel um as far as something that's not nice um kirk franklin's annoying and I liked Kirk Franklin. I loved that hire coming out of Vanderbilt because I'm like, oh, the Vanderbilt was good. James Franklin. Jay- Kirk. Oh my gosh. <laughs> wow. I'm at I'm at like church brain right now. Oh my gosh. Kirk Franklin is the Wow. <laughs> wow. I need I I'm I need to be in a timeout. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. James Franklin is annoying and I don't like him. So maybe that's where Ethan and I agree. I liked the hire because he made like Vanderbilt into something special that like one season that they were like good. And it's like, Oh wow. If he can make Vanderbilt kind of good at something, then he's probably a good football coach. But like, you know, I agree with Ethan from a couple weeks ago. What has he done? I mean, he's maintained the success and it's like, everyone's like, I, I think the media attention with him, it's like, Oh, he's, he's blah, 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 blah. And it's like, okay, I can name you five coaches right now that have had more success than James Franklin has had. And James Franklin's not even remotely close to those guys whatsoever. Kirby smart, Nick Saban, uh, Lincoln Riley, Ryan day, even in the shorter term, maybe you can even make the argument for Jim Harbaugh. It's like, he's not even, He's not even a top two coach in his conference. And the media talks about him like he's some like savant. So that's annoying. You're muted. Wow, that's embarrassing. We're just full of um, embarrassments tonight. We are full of embarrassments tonight. Uh, normally, Ethan shoulders that load for us. All right. Uh, Michigan State, Corey. This is going to be tough for you. But you have to say something nice about this team. They got that dog in them. They do all the time. They they strike the most fear in me out of any team because I've been hurt by them more. 
Ohio State just made me numb for a period of time, and it was like more just like constant defeat. Like I feared Michigan State because you never they were never really out ever, and you saw that trouble with the snap. They never they never give up ever. They got that dog in them. They refuse to lose. And that's that's what's bled into that culture. That's why D'Antonio had so much success. It's because he he had those guys buy into the fact that we are not going to quit. And a desperate football team is a scary football team. And a scary football team wins football games. And that's exactly what Michigan State did in their golden age. And I think they still can with Mel Tucker because Mel Tucker was a guy who did some of the same things. It's like, we're not going to quit. Uh, the, the whole keep chopping thing, as annoying as it is, that's Michigan State culture. And that's something that's made them successful. They will not quit. Ever. You want me to say something mean about them now? Is that what you want? Yes, please. Yes, please. The most annoying fans in the Big Ten. But yes, the most annoying fans in the Big Ten uh, because yeah. they talk about how they don't get any respect. And I was like, this was like three years ago. They were play- I think they were playing Ohio State in the middle of the year, and they got absolutely trounced. They lost by like 30. And they dropped four spots in the rankings. And it's like, the media doesn't give us any respect. I don't know what is respect if you lose by 30 and you only drop four spots in the college football rankings. Yeah. Like, what more do you want? Yeah. So, like, they just it, their their greatest strength is also their their most annoying quality because, like, they take that so seriously. It's like, oh, no one gives us respect. It's like, I just told you, I'm horrified of you when you're playing at your best. Like, what more do you want? I like that. Those are good ones. I'm just very impressed. You said something nice in the first place. So I can. I'm. I'm. Listen, I may be an idiot, but I'm sometimes smart. Nice. All right, uh, my turn. Michigan State. Oh, I'm. Wow. I'm not even gonna lie. I didn't even look at what I like typed up before you answered. And I, my first bullet point for a nice thing, is you're a thorn in my side. Like all, <laughs> all growing up, being in Michigan, and having to go to middle school and high school with a lot of people who were Michigan State fans. It was horrible. And Corey, you can attest to that because for a long time, Michigan State kind of had our number. I mean, it was a little back and forth, but it was like when I was in elementary school, when I was in elementary school, different story. Like we dominated Michigan State. I never worried about the game. And then when I got older, it finally became a thing where it was like, oh crap, I have to stress about going into school the next day and facing my friends who are Michigan State fans. And... The stress and anxiety being in middle school and high school is high regardless. And then throw on top of that the fact that a historically underdog program that Michigan has trounced for years is now on top. And it was not a fun existence when Michigan State won on Saturday going into school on Monday. So I will give you that, Michigan State. Yeah, it sucked. It sucked. Um. My mean thing about Michigan State, I feel like this also has to do with their fan base and kind of just their football program branding in general. I feel like they have zero cultural identity. Like, I I get the whole... Hot take. 
I get the whole wanting to be the underdog thing, but like think about all the different ways that they like try to make their football program like fun and develop traditions. Like now Mel Tucker has this like chop chop thing that he's tried to instill, which hello belongs to Rutgers. They have the they have the Spartan dogs thing, which has been around for a while, but doesn't really make sense with chop chop. Uh, apparently their student section is called the deep end now. So we've got chop chop Spartan dogs and then the deep end with like no coherence whatsoever between the three of them. And then they've got these weird alternate jerseys with like this wacky, horrible neon puke green color on them. Those are the worst jerseys I've ever seen in my entire life. They're horrible. And so just as a cohesive brand, none of this makes sense. And I feel like it makes it hard for fans to get behind, and I just don't like it at all. Like, every other school has, like, their dedicated, like, phrases and chants and, like, those kinds of things that they go to, and they just don't change. Michigan State just keeps throwing stuff out there and seeing what sticks, and for me, none of it does. I, I hate all of it. It's okay. They all hate right. you too. That's fine by me. All right. Next school on the docket, Maryland. Um, my nice thing about Maryland, if Maryland was not in the Big Ten East, they'd get a lot more national love. And they would deserve it. Because I feel like for the past like two to three years, they've been overshadowed by the big three in the Big Ten East. Um, and, well, outside of the year that Michigan State was was really good. But, like, specifically last year, they were, they were a really good football team. But they just had to play a lot of really elite football teams. And they played Michigan close last year. Like, if Maryland was in the Big Ten West, you could – you'd have a really legitimate argument that they – would be the favorite this year. And you could argue that they would have won the West last year. Talia is a great quarterback, and Loxley getting him to come up here from Bama was huge. So, Maryland, I think you deserve a little bit more national love than you get. Um, And I apologize for the three teams that don't allow you to get that love. Hopefully, the divisionless football will get you there. Um. So my mean thing about Maryland, for Big Ten football, guys, it's too soft. You're just too soft. You've always had really good skill players. You've always had good receivers. You've had a decent running back uh, room. You've got a really good quarterback now, and that doesn't win you a whole lot of games at the high level of the Big Ten you got to be good in the trenches. That doesn't win you a lot of games in any high level of football, no matter what conference you're in. you got to get bigger, and you got to get tougher in the trenches. Offensive line, defensive line, that, is gotta, that has got to be the heart and soul of your football team if you're going to win big games. So, Maryland, you, you got to get tougher, and you got to build your team in the right spots. Um, I will say Maryland quietly has a pretty good college to NFL pipeline. Especially as of late. I think that's, that's my true. biggest compliment for them. I mean, look at these. DJ Moore, Stefan Diggs, underrated Jake Funk, of course. Um, but also 
uh, Darnell Savage. Like you have you have some guys that are playing significant time in the NFL right now who within the past you know five six seasons played their college football at Maryland. So you have to think that that's only a matter of time before that builds like for the rest of the program and they be, they start seeing some more success on the, on the college football field instead of just the pros. So, I mean, I think that's a great recruiting uh, tactic as well. Like, Oh, look at, look at our NFL wide receiver talent, like wide receivers, you should come here. Like we can get you to the next level. And then hopefully that gives you more talent to like perform better on the field. And it's, and they have like Maryland's no longer like a pushover, like, school like they will they will give you a scare i mean they've almost beaten ohio state like three or four times this these these past few seasons i remember distinctly the one year where like it was they were two point conversion away from beating them the week before the the michigan game that was a huge huge game and then they even played them tough this year so like you know quietly a pretty good football program um they need to figure out what they're going to do with the state flag. <laughs> Cause sometimes it's sweet. And like, I like that they're incorporating like state pride and all that stuff, but sometimes it's just ugly. Just, just either like, like you committed too much once and you made a Jersey entirely. That's the state. That's just bad. I'm the resident Jersey guy. And like, just figure it out because the half business isn't working and the full business isn't working. Like if it has to be a sticker on the helmet that you're from Maryland, so be it. But like, stop putting puke on the field. Yeah. I, I love the idea of incorporating the flag, but like you said, it's either too much or it's too little. Cause now, now they officially switched to their like script Terps jerseys, like full time. And now there's no flag and now there's no flag involved, which is like, I feel it's cool if you can incorporate it in the right way. I just don't feel like they ever figured it out. I agree. It's hideous though. When they don't figure it out. Like what, what if they did like a, like a Tampa Bay Buccaneers kind of thing where they almost had like a, they almost had like a, uh, like a turtle, like a terrapin, like a classic looking one, like holding a flag over his shoulder and it was the state flag, but it was like smaller. It didn't take up the entire helmet. Or even better, you know, the, the terrapin like cartoon that they had like in the 90s? No, actually I don't. Okay, look that up and have okay. the shell be the state flag. Because like the cool stuff about the Rose Bowl is like that they put like the roses in like the, the school logo or they incorporate like a rose like subtly in there. And I think one year for the Rose Bowl, Penn State's helmet, like the white part was just white rose. And that is dope. Oh, I see. I see what you're talking about. When he's got his like his little hands on his hips or whatever, like his fists or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yep. I that would be pretty cool if they could do a version of that where the shell was the flag. Mm -hmm. Bro, that's kind of genius. Um, I have a marketing degree. I don't know why Maryland. Maryland Athletic Department called me up. Oh, that's so genius. Oh, that's so dope. Uh, wait, is it your turn or did you just go? Uh, I just, I, I guess it's my turn to go first, but 
Oh, okay. It's your turn to go first. Uh, now we're doing. Wait, I just went second, right? Yeah. Oh, so uh, now it's my turn to go first. We're going snake style. Okay. I'm All confused, right. obviously. You I'm are mar- confusion. I'm a marketer. I don't. I don't add. <laughs> um, all right, Indiana. This one was a little tough to find something nice to say. <laughs> I originally, I originally was gonna say that for a bad football school, they've actually put out some dogs, but the only two good players I could think of were Tevin Coleman and Michael Penix Jr., who now plays for a different school. Mm, so doesn't, doesn't count. Yeah, so I, I ditched that one, and I instead made my nice thing about Indiana. Um, you've probably got the most lovable grandpa-looking football coach in the conference. Mm, yeah, you're right. Like, you could you could maybe argue a Kirk Ferentz, but I do think that... Kirk Ferentz isn't lovable. What are you on? Crap <laughs> cocaine? <laughs> Never um, say that ever again. But what's his name? Freaking Tom Allen. Uh, he's he's a pretty lovable looking guy. Like I could see him on like a Christmas card, you know, like wearing a sweater vest and a tie, sitting around a Christmas tree with his grandkids. Like that's I can see him like that very easily. So, and he and he's normally smiling too. He's always pretty happy even though they're a pretty bad team. So I'm I'm going to give them that. That Tom Allen seems like a pretty pretty lovable grandpa. Um, okay, my mean thing about Indiana, you don't care about football, and it shows. Like it's not even, not even on your radar of things to talk about or care about. Now I get it. Each school normally kind of has their thing. Like Duke's a basketball school. North Carolina's a basketball school. Uh... Alabama's a football school. Like, schools have their things. But, man, could you just care a little bit more? Like, even Duke football is kind of on the up and up now. And so is North Carolina. Like, they've had some good players come through there. And Mac Brown's the coach. And now Alabama has freaking top five draft picks and all that stuff in basketball. Just try a little. Just a little. Just to show that you care a little bit. Otherwise, just... Freaking blow up the program. Listen, this is where I live now. So Indianapolis. So I'm familiar with the Indiana schools, right? Bloomington is beautiful. Oh, beautiful, really? Beautiful area. Like, like it, it is gorgeous down there. And like, it's like, it's the college town that's in the middle of nowhere, but you don't really care because like the landscape is just awesome. Great college town. Love spending time down there. One of the more enjoyable experiences going down and hanging around for a game. Um, so Bloomington is awesome. The B in Bloomington stands for beautiful. Uh, on the flip side, the worst. <laughs> Doesn't it stand for Bloomington? Shut up. Um, my turn. Uh, on the flip side, the worst college football atmosphere ever. I've been. I think I've been to a game three times there, and it's like, like the football program doesn't care, and the fans don't care either. Like we, I was talking with somebody, and it's like, it was like a father and a son. It's like, yeah, we usually just kind of give up, like in the third quarter, and then we just kind of leave. Like he's talking about him and his son, 
Like they they bought tickets to the game and they're just like, yeah, we can usually get out of here in the third quarter. Like we know how this goes, and oh, know, that's 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 just it. That's how that's that is that is a perfect reflection of the fans because it was full first half and then third quarter it was like like the Michigan fans overtook like Bloomington Stadium or whatever the heck it's called. I don't even know what it's called. It's a cool stadium, but horrible yeah. atmosphere. Ugh, that is that is no bueno. For a Big Ten school too, that's just not acceptable. No, not at all. Okay, uh, we're going to make this next school our last school, and we'll do the Big Ten West on a separate episode because we're closing in on an hour here. And uh, we better save a whole hour for the Big Ten West if Ethan's going to be involved. Cause... Oh, that's, my, that's my favorite division of all horrible divisions. Oh, and, e- I, Ethan... and I'm a Tigers fan, and I root for the AL Central. Yeah, e- Ethan can talk too, so we're going we're gonna to need an hour with that boy. And he's going to go in on some of those teams. <laughs> He's gonna need more time for his not nice comments than his nice comments. Um alright, so last school. Corey, you get to kick it off. Rutgers. Oh Rutgers holds such a special place in my heart. They really <laughs> do. I just can I just be like I love them? That's it. They're just the lovable losers. Like it's like like you get all excited the first three three games of the year where they like beat up on Charlotte and like some like Division two school that you've never heard of and you're like, ah, Rutgers, like you're doing the thing, you're making proud of your first college football game ever, and like hey, you're actually playing college football, good for you guys, like so like I don't know, I feel like everybody kind of roots for Rutgers, so like they're 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 the Big Tens. Favorite underdog, yes. Story, and I, I just love that about them. Go whatever the name of their town is. I don't even know what it's called in New Jersey, but me either. But good for them. I'm. You know what? I don't. I don't care what Ethan says. I'm glad that you're here. I love it that you're. I love it that you're in the Big Ten. Um, but golly, the, you are the closest thing to a. Detroit Lions version of college football that there ever existed. Doesn't matter what you do. You're just bad all the time. Like you rehired Greg Schiano. And he's like the best coach in recent memory for Rutgers. That's that's a Lions move right there. I I, I don't know what else to say. Because you're like, you know what? We're okay with mediocrity, so we're going to bring this guy back. So it's like you're lovable because you're very unserious about football. And that's yeah. not cool. you gotta, you got to be serious, okay? you got to take this thing seriously. Well, to your point about seriousness, here's my nice thing about Rutgers. You're a really nice kid, Rutgers. Rutgers basketball. (laughs) Everyone's speakers in their car just blew out just then. Um, Rutgers tries, like they try pretty hard at football. Like they they are Indiana, but they try. Do they? I think they do. All the fans are so mad. 
all two of them that are listening to this episode. But I genuinely think, like, like Indiana's bad and they don't try. Like, we just talked about it. They don't care. But Rutgers, I feel like I feel like the fans, there are a decent amount of fans that actually care a little bit. And I feel like Shiano cares about that program. So I give them credit for that. And they try to kind of, you know, sometimes embrace, like, the birthplace of college football and all that stuff. So I give them credit for at least trying. Um... My mean comment about Rutgers, Rutgers, it's not like you, it's not like your school is located in like a just talent depleted state. No, that's like, true. New Jersey is a football hotbed. New Jersey has, that. New Jersey has so many good high school football players and Michigan basically came in and just said, yeah, we own this state now. Like all the good the best players in New Jersey go to Michigan. Wild. Isn't that wild? Like how Rutgers doesn't get – well, I, I guess I know how Rutgers doesn't get any of those guys because I'm sure everyone in that state grows up kind of like how we did with the Lions. But like you can't get one or two of those guys to come in and change the perception of the program a little bit and make it like – you know. Let's play for the hometown, and let's play in front of grandma, and let's resurrect the program, and and do something for the next generation. Like, like pitches like that get players all the time, and the fact that you just let all of these elite recruits slip away from your backyard is not a good look. So, Rutgers do better before we have to undergo conference realignment, and maybe. Snip, no, they're snip, not going. Snip. They're only here because of the New York market. That's why. That's they're so never going to leave. They're never going to. No leave. one in no one in New York watches college football. It doesn't matter. It's about the market. Unless they're an alumni, no one in New York watches college football. It's about the market. Freaking marketing degree. Yeah, put some respect on it. All right. Well, uh, that's the Big Ten East. And that's the story about Northwestern. Real good close. <laughs> I had a horrible opening and a horrible close. So hopefully everything in the middle was okay. Besides me actually getting kicked off and then having to log back in. So really every part was bad. That was embarrassing. And I also was muted and I forgot to mute myself too. That was also embarrassing. It happens to the best of us. It does. It does. Uh, all right. Well, if you've gotten this far, thank you for listening to us. And I forgot to mention it at the beginning of the show, but go follow us on threads. We are now on threads now. So at Big Show Pod on Instagram, at Big Show Pod on threads. You can find the threads link in our bio too. Uh, We're posting a lot on threads right now. So go follow us. Go interact with us. I think we're officially making the move from Twitter to threads right now. Uh Oh, I love Twitter still. I'm still on Twitter, and we technically still have a Twitter account, but it's uh, it's pretty quiet right now. So, fine. All right. So, thank you for listening. Uh, subscribe, follow, leave us reviews, all that good stuff. And next time, we will get to gossip hour on the Big Ten West. Boiler up, baby. Can't wait. See ya. <laughs>